Hello, and welcome to the Lean Enterprise Institute's podcast, WLAI. I'm executive producer, Joshua Posen. On today's show, we're recording in front of 700 people at the Lean Transformation Summit. Sitting in with our host, John Shook, are Tracy and Ernie Richardson, former Toyota, authors of the book, The Toyota Engagement, and current LEI faculty members. John, take it away. So thank you, Tracy and Ernie, for being the uh, first uh, participants in a live WLEI podcast. Yes, yes, awesome. Awesome. Test, a test. Fantastic. And thank you for dressing the part. (laughs) Yes, we tried to fill into the Nashville theme. Nashville theme. Of course, I know Ernie always dresses like this. Yeah, that's right. You're from normal, right? Kind of normal, yeah, Kentucky folk. In fact, Ernie even had the, the nerve to wear a University of Kentucky hat to our... It was a good one, too, wasn't it? Yeah, Sarah, see, we got it. <laughs> okay. So uh, to make this happen, I'll use the mic. Oh, no, it's not even a wireless mic. It's <laughs> so listen, you just did this wonderful book that many of us have read. How many of you know this book, The Toyota Engagement Qu- Equation? So now all of you know this book. And it's, it really is an important book, I think, for the community. It tells an amazing story, uh, one that has lots of content that's useful and also that tells your personal story. Yes. Toyota Engagement Equation, and that happens to be a word that's come up a lot here today. And I hope you don't mind, it's not to get personal, but uh, speaking of engagement, how did you guys meet? We met at Toyota, imagine that. <laughs> Where else? Yes, of so course. yeah. Um, in the early days, back in 1988, when we were actually building the plant up, so there wasn't a powertrain plant for Ernie to go to. He was in powertrain, but there was no physical building. So he was actually at the very end of assembly, and it happened to be the door that I walked through. And to get the plastics, it was uh, about three quarters of a mile I had to walk. And I had to walk through Ernie's area every day. And so that's how we... Yeah, just think if I'd have been at the other end of the building. I know. It might have ended totally <laughs> different or started totally different. Who knows? But yes, that's how we met. That's how we met. Uh, so you're walking through Ernie's work area. I was Ernie's walking working. right through his work area. Yes. Doing the value-added part. You were doing the value-added part. Yes. Yeah, plastics always gets a, a rap of being the, the easy department, but I beg to differ. Well, you know, we always, uh, you know, Toyota likes to teach observation skills. Yes. So I guess, Ernie, you were observing. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Got to know your surroundings, right? You Got to know your surroundings, okay. Part okay. of the process. All right, so you both uh, learned about this uh, at, at, at Toyota in Georgetown as it was uh, building up. And we've talked a lot about how to learn this and how, how we can teach this and enable others to learn it. Uh, one of the ways that uh, a lot of us kind of learn it, and, and whether it's reading about it or get taught conceptually, is the, uh, the Toyota house, yes. the famous TPS house. And uh, when did you first encounter that? And, and uh, is that how you learned it? And is that still relevant now? You spent the last uh, number of years, 10 years or so, Yes, 10 years I was there, yes, okay. 88 to 98. 88 to 98, and then you spent a lot of time helping others, helping other companies uh, and other individuals learn this. Is that still relevant, the TPS house? I believe so. So 
when we talk about TPS, does everybody know what that is? Toyota Production. Who does not know? Who does not know what yeah. TPS is? Raise your hand if you've never heard that acronym before. So one hand, one honest hand. Uh, maybe a, a few there. Maybe. Oh no, I'm not going to raise my hand now. Uh, TPS is the Gen One. We would call it is looking at Toyota production system. And so, as anything, it evolves, right? So we have to evolve with the, the market, with the need of companies, with the need of individual people. And so as we move through, and, and the house, you know, had the two pillars of Jadoka, which is building in quality and uh, just in time, which is going all the way back to the, the Toyota family. But the foundation of the house was standardization. Our trainers called it SDCA, which is Standardized Do Check Act. And so the relevancy of looking at the quality perspective and looking at the, the just-in-time, what do we need to do, and standardization is relevant. But as we evolved and looked for the perspective of what are we actually doing, we actually evolved that acronym internally. And Gen 2, Generation 2 of that was the thinking production system. So it wasn't necessarily about Toyota. It was how Toyota thought through things. Again, I think Jim said this morning, Toyota is not a perfect company. We're here to attest they weren't. We, everybody has issues, right? And so as we continue to evolve, and this translates, I saw on the uh, actual slide that shows all the industries that were here, you know, just a, a vast amount. So as we look at that, the evolution, I think, has taken us to Gen 3, which is the thinking people system. So we're all really about people development. How do people think? It's not so much about building cars or how, you know, everything is about Toyota. It's about thinking people. So as we've evolved over the years, it's been 30 years for me now, as we evolved that acronym, the house is still relevant, but I think the thinking behind that is, is becoming translatable to, to any industry. Because if you look at it, if you have people, everybody has people, right? have processes that create outputs, create service, create something, a widget, whatever it may be, information, material flow. You have problems, right? And that's where we go in to develop people to, to measure and look at that. So we like to look at that house as the foundation, but look at that generation change of that acronym. It's been very effective and to translate to other industry. So TPS, per se, still holds, but to the production system, to thinking production system, to thinking people system. They yes. can apply to, to anything. Absolutely. And then the thing is, how do you make it real? I, 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 I'm sure every company here, but every company we encounter, people talk about, any company talks about how important people should be. Mm. Uh, I don't know if there's a company that does not have a sign in their, you know, in their lobby that says our most important asset is our people. Yes. But this is how you make that real, how you make that real in the front line work, how the leaders make it real in, in the way they behave day after day. What did you experience at Toyota that really brought that to life? Yeah, so uh, I started as a team leader, and uh, uh, Tracy started as a team member, so I just want to make sure we get that straight. She was a team member. <laughs> But anyway, He's four months anyway, senior to me, too, in higher day. Anyway, I started as a team leader, and... Uh, and so she was I, closer to the work, in other words. I yeah, absolutely. Knows. But, but anyway, I, I got promoted up uh, for a, a couple positions uh, fairly quickly, and then I got to a manager level. And ironically, the same trainer I had as a team leader was the same trainer I had as a manager. Now think about that for a moment. Somebody who's multi-skilled to be able to do that. 
But uh, one of the experiences that really, uh, we talk about aha moments, uh, aha moment for me. By the way, I worked at IBM before I worked at Toyota, so kind of two different cultures when I, when I went into Toyota. Uh, but, but my trainer, as I got promoted, uh, you know, he came to me after, after I got the shock, you know, of I got promoted to production manager, and I was all excited. And he came to me, and he said, uh, uh, you know the most important thing you have is your people. And, you know, I was kind of bought into the Kool-Aid at that point. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, of course we say that. No, he says, we mean it. We don't just say it. We mean it. And he says, oh, so now you're a manager over a production area. got roughly three, 400 people, 364, I believe, was the actual number. My, my challenge to you now is you have to go out and learn something about every one of those people. Something about 364 people. And it wasn't really that, you know, and I told him, I said, man, my memory's not that good. And he said, no, you must try. Your role as a leader is you've got to make that connection to every employee there. And so I started doing that. And, you know, I, I had different shifts. I had to stay in different ways. And I will tell you, it was amazing after several months it was amazing when I'd walk up to somebody, it would click, and I had a way to talk to them. I had a way to connect. Even if it was somebody that we had totally different personalities, it gave me the opportunity to start that conversation. Now, I challenge you to do the same thing, and it's amazing when you make that connection, and when you walk up to them, you may not have seen them for months, but that will automatically click for you. And so it was phenomenal. It was, it was inspirational to me. And then as I'm getting this training, you know, and he's teaching me to, to keep going, he said, we had to keep a journal. Every day at the end of the day, he would come to me. The last thing before we'd finish and go home was, uh, Ernie, tell me who you developed today. And I thought, man, the first couple of weeks I'm doing this, it was really awkward. I've got to tell you who I developed? Yeah, tell me who you developed today. And we had to write it down. And, a little, you know, we had these little green binders. This is before we had computers. computers. Yeah. No we had, these, had these little green binders, and we had to write it down. And then the second question for me was, what did you learn today? What did you learn today, and who did you develop today? And I'm telling you, the first four or five months of my new position, that was a challenge. It was hard. I was having to go out of my way to develop people. I was having to do things that didn't feel normal. And so we keep doing this, and... Pretty soon it went from being awkward to now it's tolerable till in my, later in my, my career with him, it becomes something we look forward to. And so then he took me up after about two years, and we've got like several of these notebooks full. Right? And he took me and he says, now I want you to go back and look. Look at when you started. Look at your development. Look at your personal development, how you pushed yourself. Now look at the way you develop people, how that also improved dramatically over that period of time. You went from what he was telling me initially, you went from, hey, I've got to do it, to now I want to do it. And that's when he said, that's, that's what our culture is made of. And so it was, it was hugely taxing for me and really frustrating. I'll be honest with you, a lot of it was frustrating for me. But to see that historical information and to see that pattern of time, it would just it blew me away at that point. So right. that really changed me of the way I'll become a leader the rest of my career at Toyota. It changed the way I looked at people the rest of my career at Toyota. And so I was very lucky to, to have that kind of experience. 
Sounds like you were, so two years goes by, you kind of didn't know exactly that your trainer had a plan the whole time. And after two years, he asked you a question, you realized it all kind of made sense. Yeah, I figured maybe I was a little slow that most people, it only took him a year, but he took two years with me, so. Uh, University of Kentucky. (laughs) Kentucky and all that. Kentucky, yeah. Yeah, Kentucky fan. So that meant really that you're being asked to do something that meant you had to have time to be able to do that. Absolutely. I mean, he was saying not just as an ancillary thing, but he expected you to spend time developing people. Yes, and and similar experience with me when I was first promoted to team leader. I was a 21-year-old team leader in a big plant. And so talk about uncomfort zone. You know, when, when I was promoted, the trainer said, Tracy son, you must be uncomfortable all the time. Because when you're uncomfortable, you're learning, right? So if we're not learning, then, you know, what value are we adding? That's kind of what their, their message was. So my quick story of being uncomfortable similar to Ernie, was we did quality circles. Are you guys familiar with the quality circle term, kind of problem-solving teams within a work area to kind of improve the individual work and the team? And so we did a really big quality circle activity that was about a three-month. We rebalanced six uh, jobs, three per shift. And so we were going to do a presentation in plastics just for the management there. And little did I know, so David Meyer was my group leader. I know some of you may be familiar with David Meyer. Uh, He uh, said, we're going to do this presentation. And by the way, Mr. Toyota, Sharichiro Toyota, which is Akio's father at the time, he's going to come to the presentation. Well, my heart started beating crazy. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he said, guess what? You're going to have a microphone because we're going to have to project this over plastics. And so I'm thinking to myself, you really put me in this uncomfort zone really fast. And he said, you know, I'm going to be standing right here. If something, you get too nervous, just pass the microphone. It's okay. And so on page 56 of the book, I have this terrifying shot that I see because I remember the feelings inside of Mr. Toyota watching me as this 21-year-old group or team leader do a presentation. And so that was growth for me, that they nudge me. We're nudging people in the uncomfort zone, just enough for growth for me to build and build and build. So absolutely, um, part of our role as individuals to get comfortable being uncomfortable and also as leaders and a responsibility from the company perspective. So in a way, it's something we talked about, you know, gearing up for this. You're you're being given and you needed to give to other people some kind of space yes. to be able to, to, to do not just focus, you know, head down doing the work, but some space to, yes. to, to be able to think things through. Absolutely. So space to think was something that was in our on-the-job development book. And space to think, if you think about it just a little bit, what is the common commonality that we hear in organizations or in the work area is what? I don't have time for this. Or it sounds like an add-on, right? So what we look at is the time perspective of our day. And so when we look at space to think, it's the value-added part. I make up words. Sometimes this is a Tracy word. It'll sound like it makes sense, but I don't know if it's in the dictionary. But the value-addedness of my work. By that value-addedness. The value-addedness, yeah. So if I give people space to think, then I'm removing the space to firefight because that's time as well, and that's rework, and that's in the, the non-value-add category. 
And so we don't want space to react. We gotta initially do that, and maybe in a temporary phase, but what most organizations, they stay in that. And so what we have to do is give space to think, to frame, to clarify, to measure what is truly the problem. And so if you look behind you, uh, the traditional slide, if we remember, and I think a few folks have talked about it today already, as we talk about the different types of work. And, you know, as we evolve the TPS acronym, the, the acronyms, or I'm sorry, the, the categories of work, waste, the ancillary work or setup work, and the non-value add. So if we're going along with the theme of evolution of what employers need to do for people, we need to add a quadrant there. And, and these are my sketch notes on there, uh, on my notepad. So. You kind of didn't want me to do this. Yes, I, I was like, John, that was just a sketch note. We need to do this. But he's like, this is the old school way. We used to write down our A3 in pencil, so we just have a little electronic pencil now. But that's an actual sketch note of an idea. So you're seeing how ideas were just kind of flowing out. But we added the fourth quadrant of part of the value add space to think is to look at how do we start developing people? And we've got to give leaders space to do that and people space to do that and not be reactive to results all the time. Because as our trainers told us, a good process, the outcome is the result. So space to think is very, very important. You know, it seems to me it starts to strike to, to, to the whole company employee relationship. So uh, we're talking about how you spend your time, and the company's saying we want, to, you, we want you to spend it on value, creating work, not waste. Right. But also saying, you know, make sure you take time also to develop capability in the organization, develop capability of your people. So it's not exactly just a transactional thing as far as the relationship with the, between the employee and the company goes. I mean, there, there's, there's trust that has to be built up for that to work. Yes. Is that, is that, yeah, both ways, I, both ways, I think. You know, there's got to be trust that the company's looking out for your best interest and you're looking out for the company's best interest uh, over the long haul. And I think, you know, that kind of relationship is easy to break. And, and I think it really requires us to continue to think about, really, the, the, the concept of lean is continuous development of people. And, and as our trainers would tell us, uh, you know, and we got promoted into leadership positions, you know, 50% of your time is spent developing people. And, and I'm going, well, what do, i got to do all this other stuff. And they go, no, you got to do that stuff while you're developing people. And so it wasn't, hey, we all go to a, a training course somewhere. It's how do you find those opportunities through the day to develop people as you go through your job. And he would, he would push me about, you know, you made, you made a decision. Could you have waited and developed somebody and let them make that decision? And I think uh, somebody else talked about that earlier today, how to ask the right questions, right? becomes huge in the ability to be able to continue to develop people. Yeah, if you just separate the idea of developing people you, as its own standalone thing, no, you won't have time. That's right. But if you actually that's make right. it one of the same thing, it's a, that's, a, that's a different story. Absolutely. And it's something you really have to do. Absolutely. No choice, really. So I know, as, or I think, as we've talked in the past, a lot of your work with companies uh, deals with how to build trust, how to even understand right. what trust is. And how companies can learn both to do that and then know where they stand in terms of building a trusting relationship. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so when you think about, uh, we, we look at, oftentimes when we're at, a, at a, you know, a company setting, we look at kind of a three-question perspective. And the, the first aspect of that is understanding true north. 
Do you have values and principles set? You know, the Toyota Way had five values. You know, and, and so we you, also you had a, what those were. absolutely do. So it was challenge, respect for people, teamwork, continuous improvement, and Genshi Genbutsu, which we had a hard time in the beginning saying that. So we evolved that to get your boots on. But it actually, it, it meant go see. You know, we had to go get our boots on, <laughs> which I have on today, right? And go see. And so those were our core values, which I considered tangible actions. As a leader, those values gave me a tangible that I could do, I could live, I can emit from myself and, and bring to life. And with that, you know, is True North. So August 1st, 88 was my hire date. I learned True North. And 30 years later, I can recite it. And it's an example. It's not, oh, everybody needs to go and, and change this to their True North. But it was customer first while making the highest quality product at the lowest cost, in the shortest lead time, in the safest manner, all while respecting people. And you know what's baked into that True North? All five KPIs, quality, productivity, safety, looking at the HR perspective, and, and lead time. And so when you look at that, I can relate all I do there. And so if I have that set, then I can ask the second question. I can go and, and get a finger on the pulse and, and look at the, the folks and, and ask questions. So the second one would be, do you have, I'm sorry, does the company have the best interest of you in, in their you know, minds in their, in their, as an organization? So does the company have your best interest at heart? And I may get various answers. We may, you know, hear from one end to the other. And we listen. We try to take it in. And so the ones that may not say right away yes, we say, can, can we ask you a second question? And, again, we're assessing. We're getting a finger on the pulse. This allows us to assess culture. But the question would be looking, secondly, as do you come to work every day with the best interest of the company? in your heart when you're doing your work. So it's the opposite question, and it allows to show a gap of are we actually living the values that we set? Because sometimes we have these beautiful decorations on the wall, and, and they're in the lobby, and they mean a lot of things, but to the people relate to them. And if we don't trust, and, you know, there's aspects of trust, if we don't do that, then, you know, that can start to, to, you know, a virus can spread through the culture really quickly. And so those, those things are very important. I like the way that asks it from both perspectives. Like Ernest said, it needs to be both ways, and it has a question that goes at, goes at both, not just yes. one direction. Yes. So we have an exercise, right? You have an exercise? We do. I think you would always have an exercise. You yeah, like really. Things that are kind of active. This, this is a, everybody hold a paper up to try to get Kentucky to win an NCAA next year. Now, wait a minute. I'm just, I'm just kidding. He's a Tennessee Don't player. bring that up. But we have the but sheet of paper. you will find a piece of paper in front everybody of you. Everybody got a piece yeah, of paper. Everybody it should has be a, a sheet of paper, so blank think, sheet. So Apologies, we killed a couple of trees. We put a piece, piece of paper in front of us all So think years. about this as trust. This piece of paper, when you hire a new employee. I'll do it too. They have trust in you, and that's this clean sheet of paper, right? So how easy is it to break trust? That's a question. Very easy. So then we wad the paper up. Everybody wad Everybody your paper wad up. Everybody wad the paper up. The trust. I love that sound. 
Now think about it. culture. Especially if it was a Kentucky bracket. Yeah, think about now as a leader, what's your responsibility? I've got to restore trust, right? So now try to bring it back out. Let's get it clean again, okay? Let's try very hard to get those wrinkles out. Press it on the table. Do what you need to do. Is, it as, is it as good as when you started? It's not working very good for me, I have to say. It's not, is it? Now think about think about restoring trust. It's hard work, isn't it? Very hard work to restore trust. But think about this wrinkle sheet of paper. That's what your trust is with that employee now. You break the trust, this is what it is. So you can try really hard, you can do a lot of things, but it's really almost impossible to get it back where it started. Right? Right? So we work hard at making sure we keep the clean sheet of paper first. We work hard at making sure that trust, and, and guys, trust doesn't mean you tell people everything they want to know, everything they want to hear. You tell them you've opened an honest communication. And I can tell you through my experiences at Toyota, people want to know what is actual condition. They don't want to really hear the fluff and all the other pieces. So open and honest communication keeps this paper kind of flat and kind of keeps it clean. And so it's much easier to build on trust if we have a clean sheet of paper than it is to try to spend time to recover from that sheet of paper. So think about this when you go home. Take this sheet of paper with you as your souvenir. And, and think about uh, the aspect of, of trust and how easy it is to break and how hard it is to rebuild. So I'm, I'm challenging you to put your effort in keeping it to start with and not having to rebuild it. No wrinkled sheets of no paper. No wrinkled sheets of paper. Well, you know, when you think about it, somebody starts a job on day one, yes. both sides, I mean, there's no broken trust. That's right. If you start out saying with open communication, here's the company's what we're trying to do. And we, we trust that you're going to try to do the best job you can. And if it goes both ways, as you put it, then uh, it's only through not doing the right thing that it's going to become a wrinkle sheet. Yeah, and I, and I had a Mr. Cho quote from that. Actually, it says, you know, we, we actually take super people and put them in broken processes and blame them when it doesn't work. <laughs> Sounds like a Mr. Cho quote. It is. Which might be a good time also, I'm kind of as we finish up here, turn attention back to your book, which, again, it's a great book. Uh, a lot of lessons in here. I, you know, I want to thank you for sharing your personal stories that appear, you know, yeah. that you've shared today and appear in the book. And this whole question of around trust and around the role of leadership is, is there is there some parts of the book that especially stand out that people can refer to? As I'm sure everyone here is going to buy a copy, and you're going to be able to do that. We have a way that you can order them. Uh, I think there's some signs we have in our resource center of how you can order some books, and we're going to give a couple away as well. But is there something from the book you'd like to share with folks? As yeah, we, uh, on, on page here? 200, actually, Russ Gaffney, who a lot of you may know, was a, was a mentor of mine at Toyota. Along page, two, with, page 200. Yeah, page 200. And Russ talks about, uh, you know, how you, how you have uh, his, his experience with Mr. Cho. And, and the story goes, as, as they were at an automotive conference, and I would assume this was in probably the early 90s, and, and all the executives from the competitors uh, were standing up talking about, hey, this is what people need to do to help us. The government needs to do this. Uh, everybody needs to do this. Well, and, and trying to say this is what everybody needs to do to help us. And, and so they're going through this. And Mr. Cho was the last speaker before lunch. And Mr. Cho got up and said, this is what we need to do to help our people. 
This is what we need to do to continue to develop our team leaders, our team members, our group leaders. Here's the things we need to do. So not anything about uh, what does people need to do for us. It's about what do we need to do for our people. And, and Russ's comment, and if you ever see Russ, ask him about that actual event because he said that afternoon it changed the whole dynamic of the, of the conference because everybody now was talking about development of people. And think about that. Just one executive making that comment, how it impacted the whole group of people. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. I think that embodies the whole kind of spirit that we'd like to think that we can all take uh, as leaders. That's right. With that, I'd like to thank Tracy and Ernie Richardson for participating in this first ever live podcast. 700 people. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 300,000 or so more out there that may watch the recorded uh, podcast as well. Thanks a lot, Tracy. Bless. Thank you, John. Thank you.